So Matt, it's really started to get hot here in Texas and you can tell it's getting hot here because all the farmers are starting to feed their chickens crushed ice just so that they don't lay hard boiled eggs. <laughs> I, got, I saw where it was going. I like it. I like it. everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales <laughs> all right everybody here we are again matt how you doing tonight brother well, I am doing well. It's it's good to be back in the graveyard again. It is. It is. Been a little while. Um it like we've said it all the time. It's nice to have a break, but it's good to get back in the graveyard back to some normalcy here, you know. <laughs> That's exactly right. I have been in um home improvement land doing projects and stuff <laughs> around the house here for about a week and a half, two weeks now, so yeah, you you and about thirty five million Americans right. doing the exact same thing. <laughs> well, when you spend so much time at home, you start realizing all the stuff that you should probably you know work on and make it a little nicer here. I, it's the way we are. I, you know, I got I got a doorknob that's loose. I got you know mm-hmm. this is peeling and you know that needs a couple of more screws in it. I mean, you know, I I have gone and fixed all these little things that i've always you know i need to i need to fix this but i don't have time right and you know even though i'm still working during the week i've got more weekend time because there's nothing else going Mm -hmm. on so you know our our weekends have been spent doing exactly that right you know i've been working on um like redoing our back porch you know cleaning it up and getting building new benches and stuff for the back there and painting the the furniture we got to match and so i have you know paint all over my hands i somehow got it on my knee i think it's in my beard um <laughs> but i'm just trying to get it done before it legitimately gets too hot here to want to sit outside people are going to drive by adam's house and go man that guy must really be taking this quarantine thing seriously. Oh, oh no, he's just spray painting. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, you always do that prep mm-hmm. after you have not done the prep. Right. It's already too late. Your hands are already blue or green or whatever. You've already got it on your face. You've you've spray painted the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, we've got well, Bella's got red paint on one of her paws. You know, where Amanda yep. was painting something and Bella just walks right through it. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and and like you said, you you don't have that forethought prior to doing it. You know, it it's when you look like you punched a Smurf in the face and got blue all over your hand <laughs> that you're like, you know, maybe yeah. I should do something about this. So that's right. That's right. Gloves. <laughs> they <Right>. were <laughs> Well, we can't waste the gloves now. We're in a pandemic. Why are we wasting gloves? Uh, oh, I, yeah. Real quick, yeah. though, we wanted to thank Podbelly. I've got plenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. True. 
Real quick, we wanted to thank Podbelly. Um, go to podbelly.com and you can find out stuff on how to start your own podcast equipment and tips and all that kind of stuff. And you can find out more shows similar to Graveyard Tales and some that are not that you will still enjoy. So go to podbelly.com and check them out. We also wanted to thank everybody who has given us a review on iTunes or Google or Spotify or wherever you give us a review that it, it, it means the world to us. It helps us out a lot. Um, and y'all are awesome. We, we appreciate it. And we appreciate those of y'all who have given us recipes. Um, that <laughs> I, I'm going to try those out for sure. I love it. I, it. It cracks me up. It's like great show. And now banana bread. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> those are the best. Those I love are the it. Best. And, and I definitely have printed them out to try some of them. So, uh, it kills. I I, wa- I want to know that person that is new to the show that hasn't heard you say that before, <laughs> and then we and then they're reading our reviews. I wonder if I'm gonna like this show, and they read the reviews and they're like, "It's a bunch of recipes. What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, graveyard tales, and now I got recipes. I don't understand. Is do they are cook? these haunted recipes? Yeah, is this how to make haunted <laughs> banana bread? <laughs> right. Oh, uh, well, that's like the, the, the Ouija board pop tarts that somebody posted in the group. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you want a haunted toaster? This is how you get a haunted toaster. <laughs> yeah. No joke. Right. Um, oh, mercy. that, uh, that reminds me if you're not part of the graveyard tales, Facebook group, go join that hop in there. It's always a lot of fun. We got a lot of awesome people in there who are willing to help out. If you've got questions about any, haunting related anything that you may have or whatever uh hop in there and and talk to the people they're they're great people or want to experience i mean this group is a great place if you're gonna go on vacation and hopefully we all can this summer yeah one day but if you're if you're (laughs) gonna take a trip and, and you're looking for some, you know, you're thinking, man, I might like to take a ghost tour or I might like to go visit a, a, a famous haunted place and I'm going here. I, I guarantee you, you can find either somebody that's been there or lives there. and could give you tips on mm-hmm. where to go, um, whether it be this is a cool place. You know, if you're coming, you know, during these months, this place is going to be open or this event's happening. You know, if you're really into this stuff which you probably are if you're listening to this show, um, you know, hit that group up for those kind of, uh, those kind of recommendations. It's great. I see it all the time and, and it just makes me go, okay, I got to make a note that I, if I ever, I go there, I got to check this place out. Right. So, so it, it's, it's really, really a cool thing that happens in the group where people just, you know, they, they'll give you advice. They'll give you recommendations. They'll give you travel tips, whatever. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for any of that kind of stuff, our group is one of the best places for it. Agreed. Um, we also wanted to say if you have not, uh, become a patron of Graveyard Tales, uh, we would encourage you to do that. Um, we, we take a, a, a different approach to our Patreon episode. So it's not like you're going to get just a rehashing of a main Graveyard Tales episode here. You're going to get something a little bit different. It, we are a lot looser on those episodes and, and they're not as long. Uh, 
Um, some of them border on almost as long, but most of them don't. And, you know, we take topics that wouldn't make a full Graveyard Tales episode, hour, hour and a half, and, and we present those to you in uh, a more humorous way than we would here. And like I said, we're a little looser on the vocabulary and, and what we say and what we joke about. And we would encourage you, if you want to see that, go over there and check out our Patreon channel. Um, we, are, we are starting to put up videos every now and then, uh, a video version of the Patreon episode for our $10 plus patrons. So yeah. if, if you're into that, if you want to see us you know, fumble through things that don't get edited out, um, then go... Go over there and, you know, join up $10 or more a month and you can see the video versions of these that we are putting out. All right, Matt. So let's take a quick second and let's talk about a podcast that we think everybody will like. The Let's Read podcast centers around narrating true scary experiences from real people just like yourself ranging from creepy stalkers to paranormal encounters with the other side, with the goal to lull you into beautiful nightmares. Join narrator Let's Read as his sultry tones guide you through some of the most terrifying experiences one can imagine. Whether you're on the go or stuck at home, exercising or doing homework, chores or just trying to relax, the Let's Read podcast will help you zone out the world and hone in on horrors experienced by others' first-person encounters. Let's Read has been described as a human ambient with the ability to declutter even the most anxious mind with merely his voice. And with over 600,000 subscribers on YouTube and the podcast, one can begin to understand why. So if this sounds like something you would enjoy... You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to Graveyard Tales right now. So go subscribe. Matt, you got anything else before we start this episode? No, hell, let's get going. All right. So, Matt, why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Tonight, we are going to discuss... Uh, a, a pretty famous hotel that is about to come back to life. Uh, a, a lot of people believe that it's really haunted. Some mm-hmm. people question if it's haunted at all. In fact, I've even seen where some people think it's one of the haunted, most haunted places in Texas. Yep. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Baker Hotel in Mineral Wells, Texas. Mm-hmm. That's like an hour and 15, hour and a half from where I live. So uh, I've actually driven very near it and didn't get a chance to stop in because, like we'll talk about, it's under renovation now, so we can't go see it at the moment. Yeah, but. yeah it was finally purchased, what, about a year ago? Almost in 2019, I think in June, um, by a yep. group of investors from Dallas-Fort Worth um, that are going to try to bring it back to its, you know, its illustrious glory. Former and, glory. And if you've never seen a picture of this place, go look it up. 
there's a lot of older photos where there's you, you can actually see guests um, out by the pool and milling around. This this place is amazing. It, it looks like mm-hmm. something out of a movie. And here it sits in this little town in Texas. Um, but they just, I mean, it, it looks like somewhere, the, it, it looks like it ought to be in Beverly Hills. Yep. Um, it's, and it, it's just, it's, it's classy. You know, it's, it's got that 1920s vibe, but before that vibe was even cool, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was just the vibe. <laughs> that was <laughs> just know? the vibe, you know, <laughs> cause we lived it. <laughs> it was just what it was. <laughs> but like I said, you know, there's a lot of people that believe that because it sat empty for so long that that gave a lot of room for some spirits to take up residence. Right. But just like always to understand how and why a place like the Baker hotel would become haunted. You've got to look at the history. And so Adam, take it away, brother. Right on. So first, where is the Baker Hotel. Well, the Baker Hotel is in Mineral Wells, Texas, and it's at 200 East Hubbard Street in Mineral Wells, Texas. So if you want to look it up, you can do a Google Street View or something of that address, 200 East Hubbard Street in Mineral Wells, Texas. And we got to take a look at Mineral Wells and how Mineral Wells got its start in order to kind of understand the Baker Hotel. So I found some really cool information that came uh, directly from the historians of the Baker Hotel and links down in the show notes if you want to go check them out to all of our information. But I'm going to get into what these people wrote about mineral wells and about the hotel. So it says in 1877, James Alvis Lynch, his family, and 50 head of livestock left Denison, Texas. And they headed west for a drier climate and a relief from malaria. If you're trying to find drier in Texas, <laughs> boy, where do you got to go? Where do yeah. you got to go? You got to find yeah. dry Texas. I mean, I would say where I'm at, but it gets even drier the further west you go. Like it, <laughs> yeah. there's there's a gradient of Texas where if you look at it on the map, it should be shaded. And looking from right to left, it should start out green and then slowly fade to brown and just get darker and darker brown from about midway all the way over to the west. Yeah. Now, I mean, I lived in Texarkana for a little while. And, yeah. You know, Amanda, that's almost not Texas, though. That's so that's so close to the border. And Amanda grew up in Texarkana. Right. You know, or ju- just outside of it. You know, so it was humid there. I mean, it was it was just like living in Tennessee, to be honest with you, as far yeah. as the climate goes. And it was funny because I, li- I lived in Arkansas and worked in Texas, and I was five minutes from the hospital where I worked. And uh, I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's a long-distance call for me to call into work. Yeah, right. I, that, I could that, walk there uh, cheaper than I could call there. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that changed while I was living there. <laughs> they made they made the entire city of Texarkana one uh it, it, it was a local call. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself. Yes, you are. <laughs> people are going, and people in their twenties are going. What is a long distance call? Yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, you mean you can't just pick up your cell phone and and dial the number? You know, it's like you know, I've got a friend in Singapore. You know, I could call them right now. Right, I can text them and it'd be fine. <laughs> well, both James Lynch and his wife Amanda. There you go. Um, yeah, right there. They suffered from rheumatism. So when the family received news of Comanche attacks further west, they decided to settle where they were. Um, And it was in a valley tucked among the hills of Palo Pinto County. Now, although the location the Lynch family settled in was, you know, quote unquote, beautiful, it was four miles from the only water source, the Brazos River. So four miles back in the day in the 1800s that was a long way because you didn't have a car so right you had to walk four miles or ride your horse four miles and if you've ever gone on a four mile horseback ride that hurts your butt so that, yeah. that's even if you're used to it yeah exactly um so by the summer of 1880 a well driller agreed to drill a well in exchange for some of the lynch family's oxen now at first They said the taste of the water worried the family, so they watered their livestock with it, but didn't drink it. Well, soon after, the family began to drink from the well, and they found that they were feeling better from all the ailments that they had, the rheumatism and everything. They all started to feel better. Well, news of the healing water spread quickly, and the neighbors then began drinking from the well. So within months, hundreds of strangers were arriving to the Lynch property inquiring about the water. Man, you know you got some good water if you got people coming from, you know, 10, 12 miles away just to check out your water. That's right. Then again, I mean, during the summer in Texas, I would drive 10, 12 miles to get some good water because it, it it gets dry here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's like that joke, you know, it's summer in Texas when uh, bridges stop being associated with creeks and rivers. <laughs> they just become bridges over ditches. Landmarks. Yeah, right. <laughs> so with the popularity of the water spreading, the town of Mineral Wells was formed in the fall of 1881 with Mr. Lynch naming himself the first mayor. And if you started the town, why not call yourself the mayor? Hey, that that's the rules I live by. Right. That's why I'm yeah. uh, I'm starting a town pretty soon. Matt, you can come be the associate mayor. If, if yeah, okay. If if you make it <laughs> if you make the town, you can you can be the mayor, you can name it whatever the hell you want. That's the rule. Yep, exactly. Well, several water wells were drilled soon after mineral wells was established, with the most famous at the time being the quote crazy well. The well received its name from a story told about an elderly lady who drank water from the crazy well twice a day and overcame a mental illness. Oh, I thought it was going to be the reverse. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) When I first read that, I did too. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Then she got some kind of toxicity from it. But no, it was the opposite. (laughs) She's got like mercury poisoning and she went insane. I was like, this is not a good story. Yeah, why, why are we telling this, Adam? Stop it. <laughs> well, in mineral wells, most of the water wells contain a significant amount of lithium, which is used to treat a various 
Bingo, mental and mood right disorder. See, there you go. That's no why. No wonder everybody felt so damn good. Right? And I, I drink lithium water. It makes me feel good. Oh man, I, that just uh, that the reason I think that is so funny. Number one, it is it's hilarious that they all felt better and their, the water was loaded with lithium. Okay, but I had a buddy of mine who I I went to high school, went to college with, and we. It's, I mean, this has probably been I don't know twenty years ago, but anyway, I ran into him at a mutual friend's wedding. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and we're standing, and his wife and his son, who was probably about nine or ten, were dancing together uh, on the dance floor. You know, just dancing and, and everything, like a mom and a and a young son would do. And they were having mm-hmm. a good time. And, and he kind of comes up and he puts his arm around me, and, and and I'm standing there. He goes, "They really look happy, don't they?" And I said, "Yeah, they do, man." And he goes, it's "Lithium." and i just i just died because that answer i did not expect that answer just like i didn't expect that answer then right so i was like that just struck me (laughs) well in the early 1900s in the early 1900s geez (laughs) i've done thrown him off now (laughs) right In the early 1900s, stories of mineral wells healing water brought visitors from around the world, and shortly after, bathhouses, drinking pavilions, and spas began to open. Now, the trains that brought in the visitors also helped the mineral waters, uh, the mineral water companies distribute their products outside of mineral wells. Now, during the Great Depression, mineral water companies suffered due to the luxurious nature of the product and travel costs. However, um, you know, the, uh, despite all of that, the Baker Hotel flourished, drawing in guests from the local to the notable. So real quick, let's take a look at the history of the Baker Hotel before we hand it off to Matt. So basically, the, the town became known for its mineral water, its lithium water, basically, um, the only the only place in Texas you can go to get lithium water. So people were coming from all around to get that. Um, so then the Baker Hotel was built. Well, it says in 1914, the Crazy Water Hotel. So you remember the Crazy Well. This is the Crazy Water Hotel. Um, it was erected and became the center of activities. But there was a devastating fire in March of 1925, which destroyed most of that building. Well, In 1922, citizens of Mineral Wells were concerned that non-citizens were profiting off of the growing fame of the community's mineral water. Hence, the Crazy Water Hotel, it was built by non-locals. They were worried about it. So they raised $150,000 in an effort to build a large hotel facility owned by local shareholders. Well, they solicited the services of a prominent Texas hotel magnate, Theodore Brasher Baker, who gained fame by designing the building, uh, designing buildings such as, you know, the grand hotels like the Baker Hotel in Dallas, the hotel in Fort Worth, 
and he managed the Connor Hotel in Joplin, Missouri. So if you know any of these hotels, he he was the reason for these hotels. Now the Baker Hotel in Dallas and this one, same same bunch, right? Right. Yeah. Same bunch, same you know designer and all that stuff. It's just um, different cities there. Yeah. Well, um, architect Wyatt C. Hedrick based the hotel design on the Arlington Hotel in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which was known for its water and baths. So they already had, you know, Hot Springs, Arkansas had their hotels around their hot springs, and it's kind of what he was designing this off of. Well, construction began in 1926, and it was completed in 1929, and it cost $1,000,000. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That is in a lot of money. Twenty nine. Yes, that is a lot of money nowadays. But that was a ton of money in nineteen twenty nine. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what that would be now. That would, that'd be in the hun. It'd, it'd be in the hundreds of millions easily. Right, right. I didn't do the conversion rate, um, mainly because I'm lazy, and secondly because I'm bad with numbers. So. It wouldn't have come out pretty, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't have come out well at all. So it's a lot of money. Yeah. We'll just say it's buku's of money. Um, that there's what we call a buttload of bills. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> so the hotel ended up opening in 1929. And that was just two weeks after the stock market crashed. So. <laughs> Fantastic timing, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh man, it it did okay though. Even though, even though the timing wasn't great, it did okay because of what it was. Which is amazing to me because a hotel is—it's just like now, you know, people people want to travel, they can't mm-hmm. travel. What's going to suffer? The businesses that depend on people traveling, exactly, and. You know, so the stock market crashed. What's one of the first things people aren't going to do is travel. Right. So you you would think a hotel, especially one built like this, you know, a big luxury hotel in a small town in Texas, you figure it's probably going to be the first one to go. Sure. But they did okay for a little while. Um, Now, it was 14 stories and it towered over this small town and this small town at the time only had 7,000 residents in it. So they called it a brick giant back in the day because it was so big. Um, It had 460 rooms, two complete spas, and what is said to be the first Olympic-sized swimming pool in the United States. And it was most definitely the very first swimming pool in any hotel in Texas. Wow. So it holds claim to that. It was the first Texas hotel to have a swimming pool in it. And now all of them have it. I know. And I, and I read a, a cool thing about the pool is it you could go underneath the pool. Like you could drive. There was a tunnel that went under the pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it wasn't a, a deal where it's like it's it's ground level. It's above and they, you could actually, there were supports underneath it where you could actually drive that you can't anymore. Right. Um, you know, but at one time you could, 
Well, it was, uh, I read, and I can't remember uh, if it's in my notes or not, um, and it, we may come to it, but um, he originally didn't think of putting the pool in, so it was kind of an afterthought, and they had a basement, and that's where he ended up putting the pool, was in the basement, and he turned it into the swimming area there, yeah. rather than a basement, so... um it was kind of almost an afterthought and then it became like very popular because it was the only hotel that had one in texas so you'd have to drive a long way to get to another one well i mean if you know you're going to build a hotel that's based around how good your water is right then a pool just seems like a no-brainer yeah especially if they filled it up with that mineral water yeah, you can go swimming in it. Which, which I'm sure they did. Oh, yeah, I'm I mean, sure they know, did. That's what they had, you know. The, the <laughs> you're going to drink it. Definitely. We're, we're gonna, you're going to bathe in it. You're going to swim in it. We're going to cook your food in it. Right, <laughs> right. All lithium all the time. <laughs> you're going to be so happy you came. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so this, this hotel, for being what it was, it, it had a lot of affluent people that visited over the years. So let's let's take a look at all of these people who visited. Now, the hotel ended up becoming fully air-conditioned pretty early on. So this drew a lot of prominent people to the hotel. And they're like, hey, this, this hotel is fully air-conditioned, and not many of them are at this time. So let's go to this one instead of the one where I'm going to be hot all night. Yeah, especially if you're going to Texas. Right. Well, many celebrities visited or performed at the Baker Hotel according to old hotel registers. Now, the Baker hosted the Three Stooges, Clark Gable, Judy Garland, Will Rogers, Marlene Dietrich, General Pershing, Lyndon B. Johnson, Gene Harlow, Sammy Kay, Jack Dempsey, Sam Rayburn, Helen Keller, Ronald Reagan, and Mary Martin, just to name a few. So, quite a few big celebrities back in the day. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Now, according to an article in Palo Pinto County History, Volume 1, it says a waiter recalled a $2 tip given to him by the outlaws Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. But at the time, he didn't recognize him. It was only afterward that he realized who it was. Well, Lawrence, Bonnie and Clyde, yeah, Bonnie and Clyde, been there. Um, Lawrence Welk remembered his starting out days at the Baker when he still had difficulty with English. Now, other entertainers of the time that visited the Baker Hotel included Guy included Guy Lombardo, Paul Whiteman, Dorothy Lamore. And later, Pat Boone. Hey, do you think that when uh, uh, Lawrence Welk was uh, walking down the hall looking for his room number, he was going, and a one, and a two, and <laughs> <laughs> probably. I, I, I would, that's probably where that came from, Matt. That that was the that was the start of it all. Well, T.B. Baker began to suffer financial difficulties in the early 1930s, and he eventually declared bankruptcy in 1934. Well, he passed control of the Baker Hotel to his nephew, Earl Baker, who had served as a hotel's manager as well as managing 
uh, as the managing director of Baker's Gunter Hotel in San Antonio. Well, Mineral Wells' reputation as a health spa was in decline at the time. Advances in modern medicine and the discovery of antibiotics such as penicillin began to lead these local doctors who had at, you know, for a long time been encouraging patients to go partake in the therapeutic waters of the area. They, they started to push their patients to invest more confidence in medicine. So that was about the time where all of these health spas and, and everything kind of started to take a decline and, the Baker Hotel was no different. They started to as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those places around this time, they they became hot spots. They became destinations for uh, celebrities and politicians and, and the affluent at the time because they were they were health spas. I mean, right. they they were big, fancy hotels, but at, at their at their core, it it was a health spa. I mean, you know, the Stanley Hotel was built on that premise as well. Right. Um, the the whole idea that, you know, you, you come here and enjoy the the unadulterated cool mountain air, um, and, and you'll feel better and you'll recover and life will be better for you. A a lot of these places existed. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're right, with the with the invention of modern medicine. Uh, or, or I guess invention is a bad word, advancement of modern medicine. You know, they went on a decline because it was a lot easier to go to your doctor and get a pill that made you feel better than it was to, you know, trek halfway across the country to right. drink some really great lithium water right? or, I, I, or sit in a hot spring or I what, now whatever it was. would like to go sit in a lithium water bath. I, I uh, would yeah, love that. But. I'd love it. Uh, you know, and you know, you can still, you can find some of these places now because they have, you know, holistic medicine has become more, uh, more avant-garde. Right. And, you know, people are looking for ways to not have to take pills, you know, so they, they've gained in popularity. So just like with the baker, um, you're, you're, you're seeing more of these places be renovated, um, and, and try to kind of grab that uh that mojo they had back in the 20s and 30s and 40s exactly Um, you know so uh it it, they're great places and old hotels are great places to go if you're into the maybe the haunted genre Mm -hmm. of of your vacation like i I mentioned at the top of the show uh these old old hotels are so good, and especially, and I can't wait. I, I almost wish we'd been able to do this, um, and we may in a couple of years, because now that they're stirring stuff up. Oh yeah, you know, you and I have talked about this. You know, you start renovating an old building, especially a hotel, mm-hmm. and man, you don't know what you're gonna wake up. You don't no joke. know what's gonna happen. And, you know, to me, that, that that would be exciting. I mean, you've got a place that's already got a reputation for being haunted. And now you're going to go in there and fix it up. Mm-hmm. What are you going to find? What are you going what, to, what, what are you going to wake up in there? Yeah, no kidding. Well, they say World War II ushered in a new era for the hotel with the growth of nearby Fort Walters. 
The base eventually became the largest infantry replacement base in the country, with 30,000 soldiers passing through its gates in 1942 alone. Well, the Baker was then at its peak, catering to both civilians and military personnel. What well, it goes on to say that life in America began to change by the 1950s. The FDA started to crack down on inflated advertising on cure-all tonics and mineral waters changed the way we viewed medicine. New antibiotic drugs and preventative medicine soon became the healthcare mainstream as the need for mineral waters began to fade. Well, the interstate highway system in the late 1960s rerouted the main flow of traffic out of mineral wells and I-20, 14 miles south, cut off a major financial artery to the town. And, I mean, that's true. That's that's how you get to, you got to go down I-20 to get there, but then you jump off and you got to take these back roads, mm-hmm. you know, smaller um, highways to get there. And, you know, with with that being the case, people weren't driving through on their way to their destination and say, oh, hey, let's stop here for the night. So mm-hmm. it, it really hurt the Baker Hotel. Well, in 1952, Mr. T.B. Baker retired. Now, since he had no children, he left his hotel empire to his nephew, Earl Baker, who we talked about before, um, who was already successful in that business. Earl Baker lived in San Antonio and said he would continue to operate the Baker in Mineral Wells until his 70th birthday. Well, true to his word, on April 30th, 1963, the Baker closed its doors. But it didn't last for long because a group of civic leaders managed to reopen the hotel in 1965, but they didn't make much profit. So the hotel closed for good in 1970. Well, Earl Baker was actually visiting the hotel for one last time on December 3rd, 1967, when he suddenly had a massive heart attack. And that contributed to his death soon thereafter. So it was kind of a weird thing for him to have let go of the hotel. He comes back and then he suffers a heart attack at the hotel. Really odd turn of events. Yeah. Yeah. It's like coming, coming back to your childhood home after 40 years and then Mm -hmm. like, (gasps) right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, this says that in 1973, the army closed Fort Walters, um, which was another major blow to the mineral wells economy. But um, by the late 1970s, the city had lost one-third of its population. Now, the oil and gas industry moved in and sparked some hope, but by 1985, it too went bust, leaving the town once again desperate for an economic future. Now, in 1999, Laird A. Fairchild and Chad Patton uh, would begin efforts to renovate the Baker Hotel reimagining the resort as the Baker Hotel and Spa. Well, then, in 2019, the development team announces and begins the historical restoration of the Baker Hotel and Spa, which would be a three-year, $65 million renovation endeavor to return the, quote, grand old lady of mineral wells to her former glory, hoping that this will reignite the hotel as well as the town of mineral wells. And I'll tell you what, Ashley and I have talked about this. And once it gets back up and running, Ashley and I and Michael are going to go spend a night or two there just to see what it's all about. Because um, Matt, and 
you and I were talking right before we started this, and, and it reminds me a lot of the Reed House. I remember the name mm-hmm. of it, the Reed House Hotel in Chattanooga. And Ashley and I stayed there in half of the building while the other half was being renovated, much like the Baker is. And that's where Ashley and I actually saw two figures over, you know, passing a window over in the side that was being renovated. It was Sunday, early Sunday morning. There were no workers there because they weren't working that Sunday. And I saw a figure walk by the window. I was happened to be looking out our window and it looked right into the other side there. And I saw this like dark figure pass in front of the window. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. And Ashley's like, what? And I'm like, oh, nothing. And I didn't want to like cloud her seeing of anything. You know, if I told her, oh, I saw a figure, then that would either make her, yeah, I saw something too, or it would make her say, no, nope, I didn't see anything. Just, you know, it just messes with you. When somebody tells you what they saw, it can mess with what you see. And about 20 minutes later, she's looking out the window and she also sees a figure crossing basically the same window that I saw. So it was really weird. And we hope to take a trip to the baker and maybe see something similar. You know, I I think it would be fun. Like you said, they've stirred stuff up now. They're, you know, they're renovating the old girl and going to get her back up and going. So it's bound to be a hub of some paranormal activity because it has a history of it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to be in Chattanooga this fall as one of our daughters is going to college there. So I'm going to take that opportunity to at least spend a night in the Reed just to get that experience. But you should, I'm with you on the Baker. I mean, this place, I'm just looking at the pictures. It it would be worth going even if it wasn't haunted. Um, Right. If it, if it is, it's, it's like a, you know, a, a double bonus. Right. Uh, you know, to get to stay at a renovated old hotel, you know, that it's cool looking as this one is and that it's potentially haunted. That makes it even better. So double awesome. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you make making we're making convince Amanda that we we've got to we've got to get to Texas. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> we we need to get to Texas anyway. But, you know, this will be this will be, a, a you know, a a little bit more of a carrot to, you know, to, to get us down there to hang out with you and Ashley. So, right. Um, we can all go to the baker. Exactly. Exactly. Sitting, sit in the lithium pool. Right. There you go. <laughs> all right. So as we've said, some people believe that the Baker hotel is haunted. Some people believe that it, it may be one of the most haunted places in Texas. And, and yet there's some that just say, you know, it's, it's, it's the normal activity of, of an old building that is uninhabited and people are just making mountains out of molehills. But there are plenty of legends and there are a lot of stories that would, uh, that would facilitate a haunting. Um, and there, there are a lot of experiences that people have had while either being on tour or while working you know, in and around the hotel. So let, let's get into some, some of these if if you if you go online and you Google Baker Hotel Hauntings, you're you're gonna get one main story. 
you know, this is the one. Everybody has got the the one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a haunted place, you may have dozens of 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 experiences and stories, but I guarantee you, you've got one. Right. This is the Baker's one. Okay. Um, it's she's known as the woman on the seventh floor. Now, there was a a porter who worked at the hotel during the 1950s and 60s, and he is really the first known witness um, to this ghost of the woman on the seventh floor. Now, it was speculated that this woman, this was the mistress of the then hotel manager, Earl Baker, and that things didn't go well or it was just too much stress and pressure and she was distraught from this affair that she's having with with Earl and she jumped to her death from the top of the building. And the the year that this happened has, has never been verified, uh, but they said that the room that she stayed in was a suite on the southwest corner of the seventh floor. Now, many people have reported smelling her perfume, and her spirit is said to be quite flirtatious with gentlemen guests. And hmm. and, and even to take the detail a little bit further, um, it was it was a lavender perfume that she always wore. So something very distinctive. Yeah. Um. That that people will report smelling. You know, it it it's not something that you would necessarily mistake for something else. And it's not something you would normally smell in an old, old hotel. Like right. you're not going to, uh, lavender doesn't just waft through like maybe cigar smoke would, you know. Right. You might smell something that you think, oh, that smells like a cigar, but you're not going to say, hey, these walls smell like lavender perfume, you know. I, I remember as a kid staying in a really nice hotel on a trip with my parents and they, there were fresh flowers every day. You know, they would put out fresh flowers every day. I can't even imagine what that would cost nowadays. But oh, when Lord, you yeah. when you went into the hall, you you got that that aroma of fresh flowers every day, which I'm positive mm-hmm. that's what they were going for, not just the aesthetics of being able sure. to see fresh flowers. Um but you're right, Adam. You know, the the smell of lavender is very distinct. I mean, you're you're not gonna mistake that. You're you're gonna mm-hmm. know it, and you're gonna be like, okay, that that's different. Where is that coming from? You know um, what this ghost kind of reminds me of is the ghost you talked about uh, on the Pittsburgh ho- or the Pittsburgh Hospital episode. The uh, nurse down in the basement that would grab dude's butts. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. That's what this this ghost reminds me of flirting with the yeah. dudes there. Yeah. Now, one of the hotel maids, she reported that on several occasions she found glasses in the room with red lipstick stains on the rim. Weird. And and it took place Somebody at eating times, glasses? What's that? Somebody eating glasses? <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. I don't. It's like a magic trick, you know. I can eat glass. Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, but the funny thing about that is, it happened during a time where there weren't any guests in that room, so you certainly wouldn't expect a nice hotel to start leaving dirty dishware around. Sure. So yeah, you know, and and the maids are going to know. You know, this is 
I've already cleaned this room. You know, there wasn't a glass with lipstick on it. And it happened more than once, according to this See, particular maid. You said lipstick on glasses. And it makes more sense now because my dumb butt thought you were talking about spectacles. Like, <laughs> that, that's why I was like, that's weird. Why would they have lipstick on glasses? And I, it just didn't for some reason register oh you mean like drinking glasses oh okay i get it now but i was like why would somebody be sucking on some glasses i don't i don't get it you just had a matt moment yeah. I, do, I do that all the time I, and I've done, i do it on the show all the time you know in my head i'm picturing this you know <laughs> uh, that's pretty that's pretty good i didn't i didn't yeah. even think of that one yeah that confused me I'm back on track now, though, Matt, so All right, excellent. you can continue. I'm not confused anymore. <laughs> so uh, a Mr. Ronnie Walker uh, worked with the uh, uh, management of the tours and the buildings in the, in the late 1990s and the 2000s, and he was the assistant to Jane Catrett, who was the building manager at that time. Now, Ronnie reported one night that he was near the main lobby on the first floor when he heard the distinct sound of a woman in high heels walking across the lobby. Now, thinking the footsteps were those of the manager, Jane Catrett, he called out her name. But the footsteps faded away, and upon further inspection, Ronnie found himself all alone. Now, later, he would find out that Jane hadn't even been in the building that day. And again, this is at a time where the building's been closed since the 70s. You know, they've got a, a building manager and an assistant that are just kind of keeping the thing from crumbling around and, right. and just, you know, doing the, 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 the routine checkups. I mean, you know, not a caretaker. I mean, it wasn't living there. In fact, they didn't have a caretaker. They had nobody that stayed there all the time, you know, to make sure that things were still operating and running. They just had people that just made sure it didn't just completely crumble to the ground. Sure. You know, they or just they, somebody the was like stuff. squatting there or something. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, they would, I mean, it wasn't an eyesore in the town, so they would still, you know, they would still decorate it and those kind of things just to mm -hmm. kind of, you know, nobody was staying there, but, um, you, you really don't want this, this gigantic, the brick giant, as Adam said, mm -hmm. they called it. Just, you know, looking like the Degum Coliseum in Rome. You know, yeah, right. right. In the middle of this right. small town in Texas. But on another occasion, Ronnie reported being on the seventh floor, resetting an electrical breaker to the Christmas lights, which he said continuously tripped every night during the display. Okay, I get it. This is no big thing. I get breakers tripped all the time. Whenever yeah. we start plugging in Christmas lights and all that stuff, and we have to, okay, plug this in there, plug that thing over there, because we can't plug them all into the same extension cord, or it's going to, you know, it's going to trip yeah. the breaker. Could no be old wiring. So he was having to go up there several times, and as he was inspecting the fuse box, he was trying to locate the breaker switch. He started hearing footsteps coming up behind him. So he said they were quiet, like somebody was coming up, like, not wanting to bother him. They realized he was doing something. Mm -hmm. And he, it kind of startled him, he said, and he turned around and there was nobody there. So Ronnie says he just spoke 
to the possible ghosts that had come up behind him and said, you know, I promise, I, I, I mean you no harm. We're, we're just trying to fix the lights. And he says, after that night, the nights never tripped again. And hmm. so a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, he just fixed the problem. Well, if all he's doing is resetting the breaker and he's done it a dozen times and right. this happens and now it doesn't happen anymore, hmm, that seems a little strange. What did he do that time that was so different? Well, he talked to the ghosts and said he, wasn't, yeah. he didn't mean him any harm, and then all of a sudden it quit happening. So Jane Catrett, as we mentioned before, she was the building manager around this time, but she also had some interesting experiences while she was the manager. In, in the 1990s, she was told that employees at the bank across the street from the hotel reported that they had noticed the windows of the hotel would be open on various floors. Later, they would notice these windows closed and others would be open. After a while, they began to take note and count which were open and which were closed. And the pattern would change. So they thought it must be the man that lives in the building and takes care of it. But as I said before, the Baker Hotel did not have a live-in caretaker. Right. There was no man. So after a while, the interest in the windows for the bank employees, you know, just it kind of waned and they just stopped noticing. But like I said, as... The, the hotel closed in 1970, never was a caretaker. So who in the world was opening and closing windows? And I did find some, some uh, investigations that were done. Um, and Adam and I were discussing this before we started the show that, you know, they, they said that the tour guide that they were with opened and closed a few windows. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Number one, why would they care? Right. And number two, why why would they necessarily think they had that right to just go open and close windows? Yeah, the tour guide is not necessarily affiliated with the hotel. Yeah. They just got permission to go do that from the hotel. Exactly. They're not going to care if the windows are open or closed, and they don't, like you said, have the right to do it. Uh, you know, and I admit, you know, maybe, you know, maybe somebody did, you know, at, at some point, you know, this investigation was like in 2006 or something, you know, that they're talking about opening up windows. And, oh, well, maybe they did, you know, it gets hot, you know, sure. they open it up, you know, old buildings that don't have air conditioning or, or at least working air conditioning, you know, no power. I mean, stuff happens, stuff happens yeah. to buildings that aren't lived in. I, I can understand why why you would want to do that. But what I can't understand is with no caretaker, why would a tour guide do it? Why would these bank employees notice it happening all the time and on, and in different windows? Yeah. Why would just some tour guide be coming through changing the, which windows are open and yeah. closed? You would think if this was something they were going to do, they would open the same windows all the time. They yeah. wouldn't just Look. randomly start picking different ones. Right. It'd be, look, this window always opens and closes randomly. It would be something they could point to as a always happening thing. You know, this ghost wants this window open or closed. Yeah, exactly. So in, in 2000, 
in an article for TexasEscapes.com, Bob Hopkins spoke with a local mineral wells woman who claimed to be a psychic. And she wanted to remain a nameless. Can't talk. I I, I just (laughs) combined anonymous and nameless. Hey, I like it. A nameless. A nameless. (laughs) A nameless. Magnanimous. There you go. Okay. She wanted to remain anonymous for the fear of ridicule. She's a psychic in a small town in Mm -hmm. Texas. I, I get it. Now, she told Bob that ever since she was a young girl, she had had the ability to see spirits. She said she had been in the baker many times and had even managed a shop on the outside the first four back in the early 1980s. She said the stories are true. The baker is very haunted, but not like we're thinking. She said most ghosts didn't necessarily die at the baker but returned after death because the hotel represented a wonderful time in their lives. Mm. Well, that's going to be a point of contention for uh, ghost enthusiasts. You know, yeah, right. You're, you're going to have a group of people that are going to say that's baloney, you know, that there would be no reason for somebody's spirit to go back to that place just because they had a really good vacation. Yeah, um, it's it, usually people think it's the opposite that you're stuck somewhere or that yeah. you you are drawn because of something negative. And and that that's kind of always been my thinking. However, we did a show where Mark Twain's spirit mm-hmm. seemingly wants to go back to that New York apartment that meant so much to him. Right. So I, I guess it's not out of the question. I mean, you know, you and I have even, you know, discussed it. So that's what she's thinking. Now, she went on to say that most of the spirits in the hotel do not want to be seen or heard with the exception of a small child, which is a little boy about six to eight years old. And he was the only one that would really be willing to communicate with her. Dang ghost kids. <laughs> Here they are. There's there's uh, always one or two. They're everywhere. He told her he died in a hotel apartment in 1933 when his parents were seeking medicinal treatment for his leukemia. Okay. I mm. mean, you know, that I, I, I buy that story that that probably oh, happened absolutely. more than a few times. Um, yep. You know, we just don't know, but it's it's interesting to say the least. She also says there's a large shaggy dog that always accompanies the child. And he also bounced a ball to get her attention. And he was watched by an unknown older woman who was always near him. So, you know, she's she's claims that she's able to see these spirits and that she's seen hmm. more than one or two in the Baker Hotel. Now, the psychic went on to tell Hopkins that the spirits don't necessarily look the age that they were when they died, that some were employees of the building, and one, she said, for reasons she doesn't understand, was a helicopter pilot who attended basic training at Fort Walters in in the 1960s, and he was killed in a helicopter crash while at Fort Rucker, Alabama. But he had returned to the baker with his body in the same traumatic state that resulted from the crash. 
Oh, that's wild. I know that that is really strange. That's something that I have not heard. That that's like a sixth sense kind of thing, isn't it? You know, like mm-hmm. the movie, you know, where they whatever trauma that caused their demise somehow carries on in the in the visualization of their spirit. You know, like that's like seeing a headless ghost. You know, yeah, yeah. Guy guy gets beheaded you know, in battle or whatever. And then, you, you know, there's a headless ghost. I mean, how many of those stories have we talked about? I mean, tons, right. you know, they, you know, there's thousands of ghost stories about people losing their heads and you see the headless ghost walking, looking for mm-hmm. his head. I mean, you know, that's been around a long time, but uh, you know, it's, it's not a common thing when we're talking about um, a place that's maybe legitimately haunted. You know, we, right. we just don't hear, but we, we do hear a lot of stories about um, people that that will see apparitions that appear to be repeating the same thing. I, I always sure. recall that that the one night um, at the White House, where that that spirit uh, of the daughter of the the woman that was executed comes up and beats on the on the doors, pleading for her mother's life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, a, you know, that does it, that, that person in life did not die right there and most right. likely did not die at that age. But that was kind of, it, it was just imprinted on that location because of the emotion and the energy. Right. You know, and I don't, and we hear, you know, about the, I, 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 I thought of it as battle wounds, the hotel or the um, helicopter pilot coming back to the hotel. I, I, I thought of that as like a battle wound thing. And we hear about that if we're talking about a battlefield like Gettysburg or something like that. But we don't hear about it uh, in a hotel or any place this far away from the spot they died that they come to this spot still in that state. Right. Yeah. He was in you know, Alabama. That, right. That's the weird part to me is, is you come back still with the trauma of your death, which you would think would then leave the spirit either where they died or with the helicopter pieces or something like that. But he comes back to a hotel. So that that's unique to me. It, it's not normal. And, you know, maybe it's a thing of it's not so much her idea that this represented a happy time in their life. Maybe there was unfinished business there. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it came back to get healed. Maybe. Or 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 maybe that was going to be his next destination. You know, yeah. Maybe yeah. he's he's he died before he ever got a chance to make that trip back. And and this is what happens, you know. Right. In death, that 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 pull to go back to the Baker Hotel was so strong that his spirit didn't pass over; that it went back, and you know, it sure. just he carries the trauma of his death with him. I don't know. There's there's a lot of theories that you could come up with for 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 why this guy would not only go all the way back to the Baker Hotel in Texas, but would carry you know, in spirit, the injuries that killed him. Right. So there's, there's other stories. Like I said, there's, there's other legends. 
uh, one of the intoxicated, quote unquote, suicide jumper. Now, this story tells uh, of a woman who became intoxicated and who tried to jump into the swimming pool from the ballroom balcony on the 12th floor. Now, uh, she, she didn't make it, of course, but the stories of the myth vary. Some say that she was racing her boyfriend down to the pool and thought she could survive the dive in the pool from the 12th floor while others kind of thought maybe there was some foul play involved that she didn't mm-hmm. jump, that she was pushed. Um, I got thinking about that. She was racing her boyfriend. That, that sounds like something one of my kids would, would think not that they would do, but they would think, you know, yeah. All right. I, I'm going to race my brother. He's got to go down those stairs. If I could jump in the pool mm-hmm. from here, I could be down there in the pool right. when he got there. How cool would that be? But right. most, most, most of my kids would understand that you can't jump from a 12 story building to land in right. a swimming pool. And someone that lady's age, you would think would know you can't survive that jump. So, I mean, just, just logically it, it would put to, if that story is true in any way that it was foul play. Yeah. Now, you you've got you've got an eight year old, mm-hmm. so you 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 are learning these little things that churn in an eight year old's head, right? Okay, now I know from the older kid that when we go somewhere and you see something, for example. A hotel with an indoor swimming pool that's got like a little overlook ledge. Mm-hmm. As soon as I see that, I'm looking at my kids. You can't jump off of this. <laughs> yeah. This is right. not a diving board. You can't jump off. In fact, I don't even want you going up there. Right. Exactly. But because immediately I see it and it clicks in my head. One of these kids are thinking it right now. And I'm going <laughs> to shut them down. They're going to think I'm psychic and they're not going to do it. Because yep. I'm looking at it going, if I was a kid, I would want to jump off of that into the pool. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so you you see that kind of stuff and you're like, okay, wait. If if I if I think it and I don't say it, they're liable to try it. So I better yeah. I better call this right out. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> now an, another story, another story is the cook and the maid. Now this legend says that the hotel's cook was having an affair with one of the maids. That's probably true for about 98% of the hotels in this country. <laughs> mm-hmm. when, the, when the maid threatened to expose their relationship to the cook's wife, he flew into a fit of rage and he stabbed her to death in the kitchen pantry. That's pretty brutal. Jeez. You know, he didn't even try to reason with her. He just said, ah, I got to kill her. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, female visitors have reported hearing a woman's voice telling them to leave when they entered the kitchen. So, you know, that that's one of mm. those that it's a chicken and the egg kind of thing. You know, again, right. this is a legend. There's not there's no there's no facts, there's no evidence that a murder ever took place in the Baker Hotel, much less in the kitchen. But if there are reports of female visitors tourists whatever that that tour the kitchen and get this feeling of 
this woman's voice is telling me to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes you develop a story around that to, oh, to yeah, explain sure. it away. And, you know, a lot of legends are based in truth. And so maybe there was some, you know, somebody had a story about something that happened. Maybe it didn't end in murder. Um, but maybe it was enough that they can kind of take that and go, okay, we've had about a dozen people say that they've heard a woman's voice tell them to leave when they walk in the kitchen, you know, so it makes a good story. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying, you know, when you get a legend like this and you have absolutely no verification yet, you have <laughs> witnesses that are saying, look, this is kind of what happened. Um, then, you know, you kind of put them hand in hand and, you know, I think, right. I think that, that, you know, it's okay. It's just, it's just story. It's all in good fun, you know. Um, some people believe that the ghost of uh, Earl or even T.B. Baker um, is believed to haunt the hotel. Now, uh, you know, Earl is uh, the owner of the Baker Hotel um, and another entity still residing in this 10th floor residence where they died. A lot of people have seen evidence that there is somebody milling around up there. So why not? You know. Um, but some of the earlier accounts claim that the ghost is actually that of T.B. Baker, the hotel's original owner. Either way, you know, one of the fabulous Baker boys, you know, might huh. still be lingering around, you know, the 10th floor, which is where they lived. Now, this one, this one I like. This this one is a really good one. This one gives you the cold, the cold willies. Oh, good. Now. On January 16th, 1948, that's that's how you know you're getting a good story. <laughs> you get a full-on date. date. Yep. Um, Douglas arrived early for work and went to the basement to catch up with his friends who were working maintenance shifts. Now, teenage talk would turn into horseplay, and Douglas began to play with the service elevator at the base of the stairs, jumping in and out while it was in motion. Now, mind you, this was the days before safety features would keep elevator doors from closing entirely if something got in the way. Mm-hmm. Now, on his last attempt, Douglas did not make it all the way inside the elevator, and he became trapped halfway as the elevator started to rise. Mm. crushing his abdomen between the doors and the floor of the moving elevator. Jeez. Yeah. Now, even more gruesome than that, it was half an hour before help could dislodge him and get him to the hospital where he died of his injuries. Oh, Lord. This actually happened. Yeah. Okay. Now, If his fate wasn't horrific enough, the legend states that he actually had been cut in half and that the apparition that you can see in the basement of the Baker Hotel is merely the top half of poor Douglas wandering through the basement. (laughs) Jeez. Now that, that is a good one. I I love that that story. You know, it's got... It's creepy as all get out, and it's in a basement, which always makes them better, and there's actually a verifiable death that's associated. A very brutal death. Yeah. Now, 
Visitors say that if you go down in the basement and you call the young man's name aloud, you will feel a cold rush of air push by you. Um, but they say, you know, it's best probably not to tempt it, you know, especially if you're standing real close to the elevator. <laughs> right. I, yep. I mean, you wouldn't want to become the, the, I guess the payback. That's right. You know, <laughs> now, those are all really good stories, but, and, and, you know, in reality, when we're talking about ghosts and hauntings that, you know, there aren't any really, you know, true hard facts. We, we just go based on what we can, what we can collect and what we can see and, 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 and the, and the witnesses that we can interview and, and how valid we take what they report, um, to actually say, yeah, we think this building might be haunted if you if you believe in all that kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on here that we can't explain. Now, there have been plenty of investig- investigations um, at the Baker Hotel, um, and and there have been so many sightings that they do kind of, it does kind of attract, um, you know, amateur and professional ghost hunters alike. So in October of 2000, there were two paranormal investigation teams, the DFW Ghost Watchers from Dallas and the Lone Star Spirits from Houston. Now, they had about $100,000 worth of high-tech scientific (laughs) instrumentation, and the teams began this full-scale research mission to determine whether or not the Baker Hotel was actually haunted. Now, Investigator Dusty Rainbolt. Now, that that's an awesome name. Oh yeah. You know, I mean that that sounds like Dusty Rainbolt. That sounds like a guy that I want to talk to because mm-hmm. he's got some stories. And I just, yeah. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what this guy looks like. I, I just imagine this guy. He's wearing a button-down shirt. You know, probably like plaid. He, he's got on jeans and cowboy boots. You know, he's got like a handkerchief hanging out of his back pocket. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he's got a ponytail. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it, Dusty Rainbolt, man. Right. I mean, I want to talk that, to that guy. Or it's a guy with an eye patch in a porn movie. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. It, that's your two options for a name like that. <laughs> anyway, Dusty, if you're listed, man, what? We love what you do, and we, I think your name is great. You know, we're not picking yeah. fun, but anyway. oh, I no, no, I wasn't making fun of the name. I love I'm it. just saying this. Yeah. It uh, makes my name boring comparatively, but <laughs> no kidding. Can I change my name to that? Maybe I, I bet you could. I could legal documents. You can become Dusty Rainbolt Rudolph. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna think about. Doesn't it. Doesn't have quite the ring to think. it. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like my tattoos. I'm gonna think about it for a while. You don't look like a rainbow. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so so Dusty, you know, used a digital camera and and photographed hundreds of orbs. Now, you know, orbs, according to some people, they are the spirits of the dead. Orbs to other people are simply dust and particles in the air. It's a highly contentious topic. You fall on one side or the other, and you can't convince. One that's side right. to think the other side's yeah, way. That's right. Know? There's not much of a fence on 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 orbs, but no, anyway, no. So they did photograph orbs throughout the building, with the largest concentration being ha in the basement down there with old Douglas, and you Odd. know looking for his legs. Now, 
on the 5th, 7th, and 14th floors. Dusty also captured an orb partially hidden behind a door, which he said was most unusual. Um, which, if you're thinking that an orb is just, uh, it's, it's either a, a, an anomaly on the camera, whether it's dust, you know, it's lens it's some, flare. Yeah, lens flare, something reflecting light when you take the picture. Um, it's going to behave randomly. It's going to behave like dust. You know, it's it's right. you know, it's going to move around and you know, but it's not going to look like it has any purpose whatsoever. But an orb that would look partially hidden behind a door, almost like it was hiding or it was looking out. You know, that that would be a little different. You know, you mm-hmm. don't really see orbs behave that way. Dusty also captured what appeared to be two very distinct ectomist apparitions on the 14th floor ballroom. Another photographer investigator, Weems Hutto, um, and guy, I hope I'm saying that name right, was taking still shots with a 35 millimeter camera at the same time and captured what appeared to be another ectomist above the first photographer. Now, a psychic who accompanied the team reported seeing, in quotes, an old woman in a wheelchair in the southeast corner of the ballroom who kept saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. Now, one night on the fifth floor, um, Donna, who is the psychic that traveled with the team, said she started to feel real hesitant and nauseous as she moved through the west end of the fifth floor. She said someone was trying to make the team sick so that they would leave. She said she refused to go any further in that direction and later, members of Lone Star Spirits who visited the area began to choke and cough at the same spot, unaware of Donna's earlier experience. Hmm. Then Donna, Donna was then drawn to a room on the north end of the fifth floor where she sensed a young woman making rustling sounds with her dress. Donna reported that the young girl uh, would be, was moving to and fro, making sure her makeup was just right. She said the spirit would move around the men in the group and was especially attracted to a certain one. She went on to say that she sensed a man about to knock on the door to escort her to a dance in the Sky Room. Now, another psychic with the team named Wayne um, later came up to the fifth floor and confirmed Donna's findings. And he added that he had picked up on disgust and discomfort on the West End and said the area was occupied by a large, disgusting man who wanted everyone to leave. Wayne said he found suffering and disease in the area. Now, they did use time-lapse video on the first floor, and over a four-hour period, various objects appeared to be moving. 151 objects, to be exact. The room had been closed off to them, and the entrance was not allowed by anyone living. The objects could have been dust reflecting light, but some were moving orbs. Hmm. An audio recording in the basement elevator area captured the distinct sound of a man screaming in agony. Hey, remember our buddy Douglas? Yep. Uh, a different group recorded the same sound on another investigation in June of 2001. 
and it would have been very difficult for anyone in the team to mimic the sound since the area had been locked up to keep everyone out. One of the expedition members gets nauseated whenever she gets around haunted places. At the baker, she was unable to stay more than a few minutes before she was forced to leave because she was so sick. So, Mm. you know, you take those investigations for what you will. Sure. But, I mean, you know, that's a lot of activity for an investigation. And even more so, if the recording in the basement is legit, and it was recorded in 2000 and then again in 2001, and it's virtually the same recording, you know, that corroborates that kind of evidence, which, you know, always makes you go, ooh, you know, I, yeah. maybe, maybe something's going on down in there. And, you know, I'm never going to be one that go, up. Oh, that's 100%. That's fact. That's proof. That's evidence. No. But it, it it's always curious to me when you get multiple investigations that can produce similar evidence and Yep. I'm not talking about similar stories. I'm talking about if they if they can produce a recording that was so similar to one that was done a year ago. You know, I mean, you got two different teams. I mean, you know, maybe they didn't even hear the recording. And, you know, here we go. You know, we we get the same type thing. You know, yeah. I'm like that that's really really interesting and compelling to me. Now, this yeah, corroborating evidence like that is always um, always makes you think that it could be more valid than if it's just some one-off random thing that somebody gets. And, you know, then you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But like any scientific experiment, you need to replicate the findings. Yeah. So if you can replicate the findings in a quote-unquote haunted location, then that brings a little more legitimacy to that quote-unquote haunting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I just, I always find those kind of things, you know, so intriguing because that that's what I want to hear. I want to hear people right. having the same experience or gathering the same type of evidence because that that adds some validity to it. Oh, very much so, now, yeah. This last one we're going to talk about happened in May of 2001. Nine jur- journalism students from Weatherford High School spent a Saturday night in the hotel and not really putting a whole lot of interest in the idea of ghost stories. But the group had a very interesting experience. A picture taken of the students on the 14th floor ballroom shows them enveloped by hundreds of orbs, which they say they never actually saw. Another picture taken by the only female in the group captures what appears to be the profile of a blonde woman's head. No one in the group had blonde hair, and she was the only female, and the picture was taken in a darkened room. That's really weird. Yeah. So, yeah, especially when you get something like that. And that's another one of these things. You snap the picture and then everybody looks at it and go, who is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the girl was taking the picture. Who is this? Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, pretty interesting. And, you know, it's just a little bit of something to give you cold chills. Um, but all of that evidence kind of makes you think. And, and the fact that 
it has such a history that, yeah, I think there's a really good chance that the Baker Hotel, you know, is or has been haunted. And sure. and that's why I mentioned earlier, this would be fantastic to touch on again in a couple of years to see what new visitors to the renovated Baker Hotel will experience or the stories that you get from the people that are actually working on the renovation. You know, sure. And this to, is a, a place that you and I could go visit pretty easily and do an investigation. Right on. I mean, you think about it. How many how many stories do we have of people that were working on restoring an old, possibly haunted building and tools go missing? They feel somebody mm-hmm. coming up behind them. You know, the 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 power goes out, power tools don't work, equipment malfunctions, all this stuff. I just I would love to be able to get some of that information as this uh, uh, renovation goes on at the Baker hotel because I, I just, oh, in yeah. my gut, I just know that, that those workers are going to get some, some scares. I, I just, absolutely. I just feel it. And you know, I'm just, absolutely. you know, so, so this will be something that we kind of put a pin in for now because, you know, going back and looking at it, you know, over the next year or two, as they do this, you might see some pretty interesting stories crop up. Yeah, and if you happen to be listening to this and you are one of the workers at the Baker Hotel doing the renovation or you know someone who is, please get in touch with yeah, us. Yeah, we'd love You can that. do it. You can do it however you want to, email or or Facebook Messenger or whatever. We would we would love to talk to somebody doing the renovation there at the Baker so that we kind of have an in on what's happening. And you know, I this is that time in every episode where we ask you, what do you guys think? Um, you know, Matt and I are on the same page. Um, I agree with him when, you know, when he says there is something going on here that, you know, it, it's there is activity at this place. It has a history of enough people coming in and out of it, and it has the the legends associated with it of being a healing place where people would want to go possibly Mm -hmm. even after death Mm -hmm. um, to a healing area and it may have that energy penetrating that the ground there so that people feel that and and they come back even after they've passed to a place that made them feel so good yeah and we didn't even touch on the fact that this place is built, you know, right at a well with mineral water, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've talked about moving water. Yeah. How moving water, you know, can, can act as a, as a battery for this energy and yep. just feed it. And, you know, if, if you, you know, if you really, really buy into this stuff, if you really focus and say, Look, I you know, I, I think this is a real possibility that spirits can linger and that, you know, the living can sometimes interact with them um, or at least see them or feel their presence. They need energy and, you know, mm-hmm. a, a dead gum mineral well right there. I mean, yep. that that seems like, you know, the the, the the perfect storm. It's the name of the town. So um so te- yeah, tell us what do you think? You know, and 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 the best place to let us know that is as we mentioned at the top of the show is our Facebook group. 
you know, we love the discussions that go on in there. Um, so guys, you know, if you're in there, keep it up. If you haven't, you know, taken the plunge and jumped into this, this pool, you know, it's about over 5,000 members strong. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to see, you know, some stuff that you're probably not going to run across in other groups. Um, you're going to meet some really amazing people. Um, but while you're at it, go over and check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. And and I just saw a post today where somebody had ordered a tank top. So, you yeah, know, hey. We got some good looking merch. You know, we, we got some stuff in there. You can get it, coffee mugs, baby onesies. Uh, you can get a tapestry for your wall. You can get posters and stickers. Um, and you can get Whenever they're back in stock, we actually have masks. That's right. That at the T Public website, you can get mask with our logo on it. And you know, when I checked several weeks ago, they had sold out. But you know, they're making more. That's so right. Get in there and get you Graveyard Tales mask with a Skull Mike logo or something on it. Absolutely. I think uh, when they're back in stock, Adam and I are going to get a couple. So um, absolutely. Yeah, but do that. But also on the website. Uh, you can find out a little bit more about Adam and myself. Uh, you can listen to the show, and you can become a patron. And thank you to everyone who has donated to the show because it really keeps Adam and I going. And I think I think that's it, man. Yeah, man. I mean, we're, we we we've run a little long talking about the Baker Hotel tonight, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, we're glad you could join us. So, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.